You're listening to the DSBC Podcast. For more information, visit us at dsbc.church. Hello, you have just tuned in to a podcast between Heritage Church and Desert Springs Bible Church. My name is Jason Fisher, and I am being joined by Caleb Campbell, pastor hey of Desert Springs Bible Church. Uh, greetings, listener. I, <laughs> I, I, Very official. Yeah, yeah. Well, I didn't use the plural, uh, uh, you know, because there's probably <laughs> one, one person listening right Hi, now. Mom. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for listening. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we're uh, we're here together. I'm here with Caleb, obviously, and uh, we one of the things we've got all sorts of things that that we that we can talk about. Most of them would probably bore the masses. Mm-hmm. They bore me. Yeah, uh, but the thing that we decided we want to kind of reflect on it and kind of we're sort of using this as our own little personal uh, public journal, yeah. right? Like, Diary. Yeah, yeah, because because in a couple of years, you and I are going to be senile and have forgotten all of these things highly like and we'll take great joy in listening to ourselves talk Mm, to one another i do right now yeah i do too i'll definitely be listening to this as soon as we're done (laughs) uh no we just want to reflect a little bit on 2020 uh just i think i think everybody's doing that to some extent it's kind of like a yeah, I think I've, this season I'm getting a lot of people just uh, talking about it, uh, asking, you know, how's how's the church doing? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think behind that is sort of all of that's happened in the last two years. Yeah, um, is what they're really asking is like, are you still open? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is there still a church there? Which is a leg- actually a legitimate question. Totally. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think just to get things started, Caleb, I'm, and I'm not like, I'm not the interviewer and Caleb, the interviewee, we're just going to have a dialogue, we're have a conversation here together. You and I have been friends for quite a while now, yeah. like over eight years. Yeah, four uh, wonderful years. Yes, <laughs> yes, four of those have been wonderful. <laughs> uh, so we go back a ways, uh, there's, there's certainly a rapport that you and I have, yeah. uh, which I enjoy. Yeah, when we first met, you were just starting to plant heritage mm-hmm. and I was in, I think in the middle of transitioning into the lead pastor role at Desert Springs. That's right. So we were both kind of becoming lead pastors at the same time, although through different ways, different lanes. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if any, you know, if anybody listening to this knows that churches can be really competitive. Mm-hmm. And I remember getting like, it was like a call or an email from you or something to be like, Hey, let's meet. And so we met with you and Rick yeah. At some restaurant and kind of not knowing like, hey, what are you guys doing planting over yeah, in our yeah, yeah. neck of the woods? <laughs> it was totally the opposite. It was like, hey, so excited that you guys are planting. What can we do? How can we help? Mm-hmm. And I asked for a bunch of money. Yeah. And you're like, oh, cool. We have an office. Yeah. And so, so <laughs> that's what we got. We got an office. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Which we loved, which was so generous of you guys. And we were, gosh, we were there for like a year and a half or mm-hmm. two years, weren't yeah, we? Yeah. So anyway. We've got a we've got a cool partnership along with a bunch of other churches yeah. in uh, North Phoenix specifically, but also just a part of a greater network in in the Phoenix area. So, mm-hmm. uh, I because of because of you and some of those other guys, I've not felt alone in the midst of the shenanigans of the last several years. With, yeah, with everything. So yeah, same here. I think. I mean, I definitely would have quit. Yeah, being a pastor in 2020 if it weren't for the you and some of the other yeah. guys we're connected to, like yeah. for sure. Yeah. Yeah. 
And so even thinking back like eight years ago and the, cause that was kind of around the same time a, a bunch of us got connected Yeah, and the, the value that that had in 2020, 2021, the value of a, of a network of like-minded leaders who love the Lord and love this part of town. Um, I mean, in a lot of senses, that's what got me through it. I mean, yeah. I remember during 2020, we'd have those Zoom calls all the time and just stare at each other like like zombies, you know? Yeah. And But just knowing that we were all in the same boat and we weren't going to ditch each other was a real value, Yeah, I think, yeah. for me. Yeah. yeah, yeah, same here. Absolutely. So I, re- I remember when, you know, what was it, March was it, 13th? It was Friday the 13th Friday of March. The thir- that's right. I was on the phone for 16 straight hours talking to all sorts of different people, pacing my front room in my house. Yeah, yeah. So I remember having this naive sense of excitement. Yeah. Tell me about that. Uh, just like, well, we didn't know what this pandemic even was. You remember it was like mm-hmm. two weeks. To yeah, two weeks to slow the slow spread. spread. And... For me, I was already kind of in a in a hard place, just emotionally, I think, and, and mentally, just tired mm-hmm. with ministry things mm-hmm. and kind of my own stuff. And um, and so when that hit, for me, it was like okay, like a crisis. Let's yeah. do this. Like yeah. you know, I I kind of work well under pressure, mm. and in a weird sort of way, it was a, a fresh wind in my sails to have to like pivot and go okay, like. We're closing the doors. Uh, let's let's throw something on on Instagram Live. Like let's do this. You know, let's preach a sermon and 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 figure it out. And the team was that way too. And I was you know just really really cool to see everybody like band together and 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 work on it. But obviously that was like at least my there's just a naivety to that for me. I think cool. not realizing like how much was going to hit. Yeah, and that that was just like. March 13th was just the first wave. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it, it got, it got really, really hard. Yeah. Like, would you, would you say like in your life, like, is that like one of the hardest experiences you've ever had? Yeah. Well, certainly the decision to, you know, go off to, to go online, like to stop meeting in person was one of the hardest decisions in my career. Yeah. Just totally unexpected, had no framework for it. Yeah. The other thing that made it difficult was all my mentors and authors that I read, no one was further along in their thinking than I was at the moment. Yeah. What do you mean by that? Well, usually in hard decisions, I got people to call. Yeah. You know, coaches, mentors. There's usually a book you can buy or a. Because someone's been there. Because someone's done, done that. Yeah. yeah. And in this. Time I remember talking to one of my mentors, and he's like, uh, "This is also my first pandemic, so I don't know." And yeah. that that was it, it was exciting. Yeah. It's like, "Oh, this is unprecedented," but at the same time, it's horrifying because like this is yeah. uncharted territory. I remember you. Um, I remember us you you initiating these conversations and us together having conversations about like let's try to let's try to be doing the same things mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. communicate unity. Yeah in the church because we, we knew, I think you especially were very astute to see that like this could be real easy for this to get a hand mm. and churches started to get pitted against other churches and so forth. Like looking back, how do you, yeah. how do you see that now? Yeah, that, 
the, the, the opportunity to posture your organization, your church family against others yeah. was ripe because all, you know, I don't know if I would have articulated it this way, but it, it would have been as easy as, you know, those churches over there are living in fear. Yeah. We are the ones who are faithful and look at us. We're Whoa. opening up before everyone else. That's exactly what happened. It, it, it did. It wasn't as, it, you know, in hindsight, it wasn't, it didn't seem to be happening uh, for the first few months. It did eventually start happening. But generally speaking at the time, there was a general unity amongst the churches here in the area. Who, I mean, we were even having conversations like, when we regather, can we do it in the same day? Yeah, I remember. Just so there's not this competitive, hey, we open first, we open second. And I don't think we ended up feeling the need to do it exactly the same day, but it was kind of around the same time we yeah. were all communicating because there were different reasons. I seem to remember teams. we all kind of did at yeah. least at least in this small little yeah North Phoenix that we're in. most of us it was like that August yeah end of August season to my memory um, but the the general tenor was let's all work together yeah and whether it was this week or that week it was no one was really trying to outpace the others um, the the desire for unity I mean there was so many ways that we were able to show that I remember driving to. Uh, with a few pastors here, we, we drove to hospital uh, parking lots. Yeah, I remember. We, we weren't allowed to go in. Yeah, you remember. Yeah, for for a long time. Yeah. Actually, I mean, I th it feels like it might have been a year before I was let into a hospital. Um, and we would we would go. I mean, most of my hospital visits were in the parking lot, trying to figure out which window the person I'm on the phone with. Yeah, and you're so just kind of waving, waving at a window. Hey, I'm down That's here right. by the you know I'm yeah. down here by the the testing tent or yeah. whatever. Yeah. And, and we were able to do that with just different pastors would on different days do that. And that was really sweet. Yeah. Um, so that just that spirit of collaboration really was prominent at that in that season, I think. Yeah. 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 It was really beautiful, actually. It was. It was. It was also, I remember there being a kind of a dark cloud over it as mm -hmm. well. Not, mm -hmm. not just because we couldn't go in and see people. I remember, do you remember having a conversation about like when we didn't know, right? Having a conversation about like, are you ready? Yes. Are you ready to yes. get COVID yes. and die? Yes. Like that was intense. Yeah. Well, in, in, at the time we were watching what was going on in Italy yes. and the fatality rates, at least the way I remember it was, it just was really dire. Yeah. And, you know, with my family, we've got some connections over there and it was really dire. I mm. mean, you know, the hospitals were not only overloaded, but yeah. you know, bodies in the streets. I mean, that kind of thing. And I also remember, Jason, do you remember this? That we, I mean, this all hit as we were getting ready for Easter. Yeah. So for those of you That's right. who, who may not know, for pastors, like February 1st, it's just all Easter all the time. Yeah. What are you going to do? How are you going to plan? And for our teams, they, they did such a great job pivoting. But, but I remember kind of getting ready for Good Friday and Easter, you know, a few weeks before and just trying to think through not only the mechanics, how are we going to do Good Friday and Easter digitally? Yeah. But also just reacquainting myself with the Passover. And there was this song, for, the, for those of you that are familiar, you know that in Exodus, the the last of the plagues that begat the Passover was that the the what sometimes referred to as the angel of death or the destroyer comes into this town yeah. and kills the firstborn in every house. And there's this, there was this song that one of the lyrics go, uh, Lord, let your judgment pass over us. Mm. And I remember crying, listening to that song yeah. and appropriating that for Phoenix. Mm. 
which was, I mean, it was palpable to me. Yeah. The desire as a pastor and as a father and a husband and a son, the desire for the Lord's judgment was the way I was using the language or just that, that the, that the destroyer would pass over Phoenix because yeah. I was seeing it in other towns. Yeah. And that was, that was a really, uh, powerful moment for me where I was connected to that text in a way that I'd never felt before. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know if I'm right in, in, in assessing this or not. I'm, 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 I'm kind of reflecting back as well. Mm-hmm. I, I seem to remember sensing that you were taking it like, uh, th- th- there's a, there's a, a heavy burden that you were, mm. that you were carrying kind of like you just shared. Like that's, yeah. that's really deep. I didn't have an experience like you just shared. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think I was more of like a, Hey, we don't, I, yeah, this seems really serious. So mm-hmm. we need to pivot and and um, just trust and hope for the best. You know, like kind of a hold on and and it's going to be a wild ride. Yeah. Whereas you definitely had more of a uh, a spirit of lament. Yeah. It sounds like and and really carried that burden a little bit more. Yeah, I remember even conversation. I think that's I think that's right. Uh, I remember conversations, especially early on. So like this would have been like April. Mm-hmm. And conversations with some of my team and my team did amazing, um, navigating through all that. I'm so proud of them. But one of the conversations was, you know, when we're making these decisions about health and safety, which is a space that none of us are really educated in. I don't know anything about yeah. how this stuff works. Yeah. You know, I can't do math, much less figure out you know, how pandemics work. But I remember really feeling as you know, at the time, at the time and continue to serve as the lead pastor. But I remember feeling as the lead pastor in that moment thinking, I don't want to put any of my um, team in a position where they are ministering and then someone they were ministering to gets sick with COVID and dies. Yeah. And then they are carrying the burden of, was it me? Was, was I the one? Yeah. I remember, gave it to I remember you processing that. Yeah. And that was a heaviness yeah. um, that I felt, you know, the decisions I make on how the safety protocol does, you know, and I, the other thing too, I wanted everyone to be safe. I mean, <laughs> I didn't want anyone to get sick yeah, and wanted to make the right call that was for their safety and for their health. But, but that, that made it heavier. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, and as we had people in our congregation get sick, that was weighing people who passed away because of COVID. The other thing that made it really difficult was the the disunity that I was starting to see yeah. um, around COVID. I mean, I remember there were times where there were, there was the, kind of a wave of people early on who really, really wanted us to regather mm-hmm. and then started making, and these are people that I know, I mean, they were part of our church at the time, starting to make accusations like, you're, you know, it's the fear over fate, like you guys are afraid or uh, I'm, one person said that, we had a Luciferian spirit of fear. Yeah. And after I Googled what Luciferian meant, uh, which is Lucifer, like, yeah. you know, like yeah, yeah. demonic spirit of fear. Yeah. That, that was kind of the beginning of, for me as a pastor, feeling like I'm trying to make the best decision, yeah. you know, the wisest, most loving decision I can based on the information I have at the time. And we were doing that with our board. I mean, it was, I wasn't making these decisions in isolation, but trying to make the wisest, most loving decision I can based on the information I have at the time. And then to have people who I love and have known for a long time uh, 
kind of level their accusations against me in pretty, pretty, in ways that really hurt. Yeah. And that, that coupled with that concern, I think was made, I mean, it, I mean, I've said this to you before a few times, that, that was the worst year of my life. Yeah. Me too. In all sorts of ways. Tell yeah. me about you, how you, you were navigating, you know, shifting to online, navigating your team as well. Yeah. But you're doing this, Heritage was like five years old. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. What was that like? Well, I don't know. I don't know if the age of our church, um, <clears throat> you know, made it any easier or harder than your church or, or anybody else's in the area. I just, I think, I think the experiences are pretty, I mean, we share those common experiences of, yeah, like having those concerns, making, making the really hard decision to close down. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you remember this. We actually then opened up again, like in June, I think. Yes. And then it was Father's Day, wasn't it? I think right so. I think Day. so. And then, um, like a bunch of our people got COVID. Oh no! Yeah. And we were like, oh, just kidding. So <laughs> did that, you just meet one time? No, nah, I don't remember. I don't. I don't times? think so. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But it just, you know, I don't That's know about you. I, remember. I look. I look back on on that season, and I'm like, I would do a gazillion things differently. Totally. You know. Totally. Because hindsight's twenty twenty. Yeah. No pun intended. Hey yo. Speaking of that, like, didn't you have, like, I know I was like, oh, I can't wait for 2020 uh -huh. because we're going to call, we're going to call it the 2020 vision yep. and yep. man, we're, yep. thousands will be saved and it's going to be such a unifying time for us as a church. <laughs> yeah. I thought you were going to do the contagious Christianity sermon <laughs> yeah. uh, series. That's still too soon. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. yeah. No. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah, really, really, really hard. Um, same, so the same thing is, you know, people. I think what was challenging too is, is because we were all disconnected, um, you couldn't have real conversations with people mm, almost. Right. Yes. Like, yes. which, which made it really exhausting as a pastor and as a shepherd to have to chase everybody down. Yeah. You know, um, you know, there were maybe the few who took it upon themselves to reach out and speak their minds. But you kind of, I think one of the hardest things for me in that was like hearsay, you yeah, know, and totally. oh, so-and-so said that so-and-so said that so-and-so said. And so like having to like try to, and I didn't do this well, admittedly, like trying to like chase people down and, you know, when they're like, cause it was summer. And so people just kind of left, you know, whether they had a summer home or, you know, just ability to get out of the area. And so it just was. Yeah, just so challenging to try to even get my finger on the pulse of really where our people were at. Mm. That was so hard. Um, and then, you know, at my core, I just want to be liked. And that is, you know, that it was just so hard mm -hmm. uh, feeling those attacks and, you know, these accusations that were that were calling um, character into question mm -hmm. or motives, fear, all of that stuff. And you just, you know, you almost couldn't help but Yeah. Just want to, I don't know. Just yeah. T talk a little bit more about, especially in those early months. And I think in, in, in future uh, episodes, we could talk about maybe that phase that was like 
George Floyd through the election, but at least for this, yeah, because that, yeah, that's, that's a, a huge different animal, layer, right? Yeah. I mean, it's almost like what we're talking about now set the stage for that. So I want to talk about that maybe another time, but well, it's, it almost feels like what we're talking about now is like that's easy. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah totally. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, it's it, not. No, it's not. It, it's it certainly wasn't, but it but it was kind of phase one of a multi phase season. So mm. just thinking about that phase one part, right? That March, April, May. We sh- you shifted to online, and for the first time ever, we were pastoring people in a disembodied state. Yes. Um, talk a little bit about how that impacted you, like just yeah. as a as a pastor, as a preacher. I as think a at, teacher. at first, honestly, like I was a little proud of myself because I'm I'm actually not bad at speaking to a camera as yeah. though I'm talking to a human being. Right. You know, I just I just went into like theater actor mode, <laughs> really. You know, that fourth wall of just mm-hmm. like, all right, I, I got this. Like, yeah. I can imagine that people are there and do that. So I did have like this phase where I was like, I am crushing these. <laughs> like, I know you had a harder time, didn't you, with I talking to the it. camera? Yeah, yeah, I hated it. I just kind of figured it out. But it when I started to realize that, and it, it actually came at me negatively at first, mm. where... Um, and this is actually inching into uh, the the political stuff mm-hmm. and the racial unrest and everything is where I would start to get like hear things like oh the church isn't saying this or doing this or that or the other thing, and I really personalize that. Um, I think what I but back to your question is um, I think it was fun at first because then we're kind of creating this content and you know it's we're doing, we're doing something and it feels good to do something that mm-hmm. feels productive. But I realized that the, the people on the other end who are watching online had, had a connection with me. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was, it wasn't great, but it was at least like they're hearing me speak. They're hearing my heart. They're seeing my face and my expressions and my body language and how I'm being about everything. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't reciprocated. Like I didn't, I didn't have 150 screens up mm. with everybody sitting in their living room, mm-hmm. you know, watching me. So that I and I'm watching them watch watch me. Mm-hmm. I had no idea what was going on, on the other end. You know, I don't. I just there was just no connection for me. It's it's sort of like you know when you like watch The Office or Parks and Rec, like you think you've got a rapport with Ron Swanson mm-hmm. <laughs> because you know because you know who he is right. and what he's like. Right. And, but you know, he doesn't know, the, you, he doesn't right. know you at all. Right. Yeah. And that's how, that's how it started to be. Hmm. Yeah. And that was really hard for me. Yeah. Like I, yeah, I, I, to me, for me, it really drove home the importance of embodied yep. gathering and worship as the church. Yeah. And I, and it, don't, don't hear me wrong. Like, there's reasons to have online an mm-hmm. online presence and, yeah. and and so forth, but yeah, I I, I felt that deeply mm-hmm. firsthand. How yeah. about you? Yeah, yeah, I uh, did not feel good about preaching to a camera. I love uh, I I actually <clears throat> my my preaching style really needs feedback like yeah. live in the room like I'll, I'll shift and adjust and I try to be as dialogical as possible 
um, where I'm hearing back and cause I learn better that way too. So I, yeah. I kind of naturally do that. I for sure love that more yeah. than teach, you no, know, I know, I know, camera, you, I know you, I know you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Actually, I actually ask everybody now in person to not look at me. Oh, when do I, you? When I'm <laughs> yeah, yeah. I ask people to turn yeah, around. Yeah. yeah. No. Uh, <laughs> the, um, so that was, I mean, just technique wise, I, I learned a lot about preaching. I've been preaching for over a decade at that time and realized just how much I rely on, uh, seeing faces yeah. of people that I love. But that's good. You watching should. You yeah, should. Course, yeah, yeah, totally. And, yeah. and that's why I kind of resented doing the screen. Cause like, yeah, like even, um, and, and this, I don't know how this is going to sound like, there's times where I will sense that the spirit is doing a work because of how I'm seeing what I'm seeing happen to other people in the room. And so not seeing that, you just kind of don't have that, you know, do you have, so uh, hey, it's like sidebar. Yeah. Do you ever like change your sermon based on that? Oh, like, totally. As you're, as you're yeah, oh, yeah. all the time yeah. actually. Yeah. Uh, and i never realized that I was doing it yeah. until I'm looking at a red dot that says record <laughs> on the screen and just like my eyes just the dead blade, eye yeah. of the lens of the camera and, and that's the other thing I'm not good at it so <laughs> I, I remember watching myself and it's like this like 35 minutes of uninterrupted eye contact and I'm like this is this is disturbing you're not used to that kind of intimacy no. are you I mean I'm looking right at you the whole time so I had to do tricks to learn that it, but I think pastorally was where I felt it the most was you know, I mean, here is our church family that I deeply love. And there's so much fear. Yeah. There's an awful lot of sadness and lament. Yeah. There's a lot of anger and rage. Yeah. And I'm trying to pastor over Zoom, like, you know, not being able to put my hand on someone's shoulder or lean in and look them in the eye and let them see my face as they're telling me their thing and vice versa. Um, all that stuff that doesn't communicate through a street screen. I mean, I, it's very difficult to communicate love yeah. and solidarity and, um, grief yeah. through a screen. Yeah. And I, I, I found that we were trying to navigate really, really hard conversations, really important things disembodied and that it, it, in hindsight, as I look back on it now, I don't think I was fully factoring in how important the embodied state is, like being present in the same space to have hard conversations or navigate difficult situations. It's so important. Yeah, well, I think I think it's it really drove home what we probably already kind of knew. I mean, if you think about like the forms of communication, mm -hmm. it's sort of tiered. Like, you know, how we tell like we tell young people like, don't break up with your girlfriend over text message. Mm -hmm. Like at least right. have a phone right. conversation. Right. Like, okay, well in that is like this acknowledgement, like, Hey, text is kind of a, a, a deficient form of conversation when mm -hmm. it comes to certain kinds of communication, yeah. right? Phone calls a little better FaceTime or zoom. That's, that's even better. Cause then you can see and stuff, but then like in person, that's where it's at. Yes. And I think the point that I, I or you can correct me if I'm wrong, but that I'm hearing you make is like, to have those kinds of conversations, mm -hmm. certainly a text wouldn't do, but we're, we're, we, what we didn't see at first was not even, not even zoom was sufficient mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. for those kinds of mm -hmm. conversations. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, actually even worse than text is social media. <laughs> so, so guys don't, don't break up don't, with anybody yeah. over social media Definitely. with a tweet. Yeah. Yeah. Probably most important conversations are not best had on 
on social media. Although people were breaking up with people on uh, yeah. Twitter, weren't I they? I remember that. Yeah. Still are. Yeah. <laughs> how do you... How do you how do you feel like like our churches aren't the same? Yeah. You know? Yeah. A lot of people have left our churches. Yeah. How do you feel towards those people who have left? Mm. I think probably the most pronounced feeling is sadness. Yeah. And it comes as I've been able to kind of process through it, it comes from a space of that's not at all what I wanted to happen. Yeah. Um, I mean, for a lot of people, there were people that I had known for years over a decade for some people that I love dearly um, and it was sad to me because I feel like man if if first my first question is like what what could I have done differently yeah to to maybe have this go down a different way not that necessarily they needed to stay with the church but where it wouldn't be as cold or contentious what what could I have done differently and you know in hindsight, tons of ways and things I could have done differently. So there's a lament there and maybe even some shame around like, man, I wasn't wise in that way or I wasn't thoughtful in that way. <clears throat> the other part is um, I think I'm sad about it because this is not what the Jesus way is. <laughs> and I, yeah. and I'm not trying to put that on anybody. It's, it's, it's me who's at fault here, I think. But what was I missing mm -hmm. that it, because there, there's just a consistent call in scripture to union yeah. with one another, unity in the midst of diversity. What gave me peace was actually scripture because <laughs> after like the gospel of John, the almost all this stuff in the new Testament is uh, assuming that there's conflict and separation within the church. Yeah. Right? All those so one another commands. Trying to just fractures. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like all the time. Like the Apostle Paul's ministry was <laughs> the ministry of reconciling yeah. differences. And so there was a part of me too that was like, oh, okay. So what 2020 was doing was exposing the divisions that existed. Yeah. And so that's normal. Yeah. And there's this one line. I remember sharing this with you in Galatians, I think it's four maybe, um, where Paul says, have I become your enemy for telling you to the truth? Yeah. It used to be that we were deeply connected to one another, but now that these other people have come in and have influenced, yeah. uh, now we're separated somehow and I've become your enemy. And boy, I was resonating with that because yeah. I didn't want to become people's enemy. No, I, I was really trying to pastor well and, yeah. and teach the scriptures as I understood them, apply them as I understood them. And navigate really gnarly time. Uh, yeah. How about you? I know that you had, you had, we had a lot of similar, mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. but also some different things happened to us. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I would say I'm, I think I'm just recently, I've been sad, you know, like on a personal level. Mm -hmm. um, when I think about the people who have left, uh, I, I, I'm sad as well. And I miss them. Mm -hmm. uh, yep. And I know that like there's a sense in which like it's not it wasn't supposed to be this way. Mm -hmm. um, I think what's happening for me now is I'm just now getting around to like lamenting, like the the the, the deeper thing that's happened, and that is that that, that unity that mm -hmm. you just spoke of in Christ that Jesus prays for, mm -hmm. you know, for us that is is said to be one of the blessings uh, that we have in Christ together uh, has been. I don't want to say broken, but it's been fractured. Yeah. 
and that that makes me deeply sad. Uh, I'm lamenting that, um, and probably will for a while, mm-hmm. because it. I think it. I think it's it's affected our witness as a church. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has it's affected um, who who Christ is as saved us to be as his new humanity and his, his new kingdom. Mm-hmm. And I think the other thing that's so sad about it that I'm lamenting is that there's a, there's a lot of idols. I think there's powers in, at play mm-hmm. that are coming against the unity of the body of Christ. Uh, and we've succumbed to those, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, and I'm not yeah. pointing fingers at anybody. I, right. I'm, I'm like you, like you, voiced on part of it and it's but it's it's it grieves me deeply yeah yeah i remember chip moody who uh is now in blessed memory um but he was uh, a teacher and a leader at phoenix seminary and i remember he said to us that one of the hardest things about serving as a pastor is the ghosts yeah is being in like meaning like being in a worship gathering you know, in, in your space or whatever, and just having your mind flooded with memories of yeah. the people that you've loved and lost, people you've ministered to that no longer you're no longer seeing. And boy, has that proven true in my life. Yeah. Um, and again, I, I want to just agree and affirm, I, by no means is this like, you know, I was right and they were wrong. I was wrong a ton. Um, yeah in ways that I handled things and yeah, me too. ways that I spoke. And so I hope anyone listening, this, this is certainly not to, to point any fingers. And, and I would imagine that given the opportunity, we could sit down with some of those friends. And, and I, my, my prayer is actually that I get to do that is to have a sit down and maybe a reconciliation, not, not necessarily that they would, you know, be back a part of the church. That's not what I'm saying, but just like, get in the same room and have a Jesus centered conversation Yeah, for me to have opportunity to ask for forgiveness where there needs to be in confession and repentance. That's, that's kind of where I'm at now, two years later. And Jason, I got to tell you, one of the interesting things, especially over the last three months I've noticed is I've had six of those conversations. Wow. That I walked into thinking, you know, this is going to be another disagreement or another Caleb, you messed up and you, picked this side and you should have picked that side or whatever. And it ended up being really great conversations. Yeah. You know, still having our differences, but maybe seeing each other's view differently and centering the relationship back on Jesus. Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm hopeful yeah. around the unity of the church and that there's going to be some healing. I think 2020 was an apocalypse and that it unveiled yep. the fractures between us. Yeah. Um, you use the language of like when you lift up the carpet yeah. and you see the fracture in the concrete. Yeah, yeah, we did, we redid our, redid our floors a couple years back, and I ripped up the carpet and didn't know that there was this huge crack I was going to have to fix before putting down on the new floor. Yeah, and we talked about that, like that's kind of what this did: mm-hmm. this apocalypse, this unveiling. The cracks were there. Yep. Yeah, the divisions were there, but there just wasn't enough to expose them until mm-hmm. this happened. Yeah. Yeah. In that sense, I'm glad. Yeah. Right. For you know, I'm not happy about it, but I'm glad for the unveiling because it. You can't heal a, a brokenness until you recognize that it's there. Exactly, exactly. And I am starting to see that happen. Yeah. You know, maybe two years later. Well, that's really encouraging, man. And I, it might be a good place to end for us today. Is like, 
kind of that positive side, like you're, you're experiencing that where there's some, there's some reconciling that's happening. Mm -hmm. And like you said, they may not be coming back to your church, uh, but there's a, there's still a healing that's, Mm -hmm. that's taking Mm -hmm. place. And so I, uh, my encouragement for anybody who's listening is, you know, listen to the spirit. And Mm -hmm. if, if the spirit's impressing on your heart to, um, cross the room, so to speak, uh, to, to reach out to somebody that, um, with whom you need to have a conversation, a restorative conversation, then yeah, my, my prayer for you is that you, um, God gives you the courage to do that in ways that are appropriate and, you know, without, without huge expectations, Mm -hmm. but just with the desire of, uh, to embody the love and the unity of Christ. Amen. All right. Thanks, Caleb. Yep. Thanks, Jason. Till next time. See you next time, folks.